Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Holy tits, it's episode 50. So this week to celebrate, I'm gonna share five big life lessons I've learned from mountaineering. If you're just starting this journey, you may be like Sarah, WTF, it's not that complicated. You just work out, get in shape and climb the mountain. But friend, I promise you, you are gonna come out of this mountaineering journey a whole new person. And thinking about it just lights me up because you really have no idea how awesome it's gonna be. So let me show you what I mean. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit, Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks, of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Wow. Hey, friends. (laughs) I cannot believe we're at episode 50. That just blows my mind in a way I can't describe. And I think back to when I started this podcast, it was during the lockdown last year, the, like the worst, darkest part where we really weren't allowed to do much of anything and we're like, well, going to the grocery store, kill us. And oh, it was just so hard. And we weren't sure how long it was going to last. So one of my thoughts was, I really need something to do with all my time. So I'm going to start a podcast. I really have no idea who will listen, if anyone's really going to give a shit. And <laughs> it has just been one of the best decisions I've ever made. I love love podcasting, talking to you every week. I love hearing from all of you. It's really been engaging and nurturing to my soul in a way that blogging, which is what I was doing before, just never could be. So I am just so full of gratitude for all of you for listening. And just to celebrate, we're going to do something a little bit different, and I'm actually going to share some of the life lessons I've learned from mountaineering. I'm going to give you five. So let's dive right into that. So the first big life lesson I've learned from mountaineering is that the whole process is all in your mind. 
when we think about getting in shape for mountaineering, training for mountaineering, we think it's about working out, number one, number two, nutrition, and then number three, maybe our mindset. And I used to think that too. And one thing I've learned through just doing my trips all over the world and going through my high altitude mountaineering certification was that you really should just take that and reverse it. It is the mind first and foremost. And if that seems strange, let me explain. First of all, I want you to think about what it takes to train for a mountaineering trip or any other really big endurance event. Maybe you're more into trekking or ultra running or some of those other things that are also endurance training based. But whatever it is, in order to make it happen, you've got to be with yourself, really focused, working hard for four to six months. I mean, where else in life do you work on something for four to six months? Like, I don't know about you. I mean, I don't even like do that at work where people are paying me. I mean, some of you might have long-term projects where you're a little more familiar with us, but for most of us, that's a huge thing. And then while we're going through that whole training process, which is hard physically, mentally, emotionally, I don't think we necessarily give it ourselves credit for how tough it can be and all the obstacles that come up. While we're there, we need to process all the emotional shit that comes up and all the additional stuff that life is throwing at us at the same time. So just from the training side, we're coming face to face with our fears. We've never climbed a big mountain before. What will happen? Like, what if we fall in a crevasse and freeze to death and die? We come face to face with judgments from other people, but then mostly from ourselves. Like, are we good enough to do this? We come up with all the reasons that we're not. We deal with self-doubt. We deal with programming from our childhood where maybe someone was telling us we're not good enough or that maybe women need to be nurturers and take care of the family rather than taking time for themselves. We have to deal with our body image. We have to deal with our teammates and different conflicts that might come up. And holy shit, <laughs> like, isn't it a miracle anyone climbs a mountain after all that? The truth is that we might look at all of this from a victim mentality, be like, oh, all this shit's like happening to us. I used to feel that way. I'm like, I remember going through my high altitude mountaineering class and just being like, what else is it going to throw at me? I, I just can't stand like everything that's happening. When the truth is that it's all happening for us because coming face to face with all this shit, working through it, it's not going to raise our VO2 max, for example. But what it has done for me as an athlete is it's really supercharged what I'm willing to try, how much discomfort I'm willing to tolerate, and honestly, how much I enjoy the moment when I'm climbing because a lot of this stuff does get worked through. And that's where you can really just kind of put it all aside and just be in the moment, really enjoying the amazingness that is you climbing up a big ass mountain and being at a glacier and looking at giant crevasses and Sirocs. Like it's the most amazing thing in the world. So all of it, all this working on your mind adds up to so much more adventure and so much more fun. And I really wish I had realized that in the beginning of my mountaineering career. One thing I always think about, and maybe someday I'll try this, like Lord only knows, what kind of athlete would I be if I spent, I usually train for about 10 to 12 hours a week physically. What if I spent 10 to 12 hours a week just like working on my mind, like doing my breath work and my thought work and coaching and self-coaching, like 
who would I be? Like the thought is so crazy to me. So maybe someday I'll try that. It's obviously not super practical from a time standpoint, but definitely whatever you feel like you're having a tough time, go back to the mindset. That's where it all happens. There's no physical without the mindset. So life lesson number two, sometimes we need to slow down to go fast. I definitely learned this from mountaineering I have an episode somewhere on here about people following training plans into the grave. Like, I'm so like this, and maybe you are too. Like, whenever we want to do something, back in the day, I used to get a book or go on the internet and be like, where's a training plan that will show me how to climb Mount Rainier? And then, like, as soon as I have the recipe, I'm good at following it. And I'll just, like, follow it, even if I'm, like, beating myself to a pulp and just like falling on the floor with exhaustion. I'll try to keep going. And that was a lot of my early mountaineering career. Like how hard can I push? And I always thought that the person that pushes the hardest wins. And what I actually learned and want to share with you is that's exactly the opposite way of the way you should go about it. You should do the total opposite. If you don't give your body a break when it needs it, I assure you, it will find a way to get one, one way or another. Same thing with your mind. If you're just in too much mental, emotional turmoil about this, your mind's going to find a way to create a break for you. So I'll put a link in the show notes to a podcast where Lucy Bartholomew, who's an ultra runner from Australia is interviewed and she talks about this very eloquently, how she in her early 20s was very successful as an ultra runner and just like pushing, pushing, pushing on the body. And she actually tried to push through a hamstring injury and it ended up just kind of melting down badly, which ended up being an awesome thing for her. She actually moved to Nepal, was living in a monastery, living... It's a really cool story. So definitely check it out if that appeals to you, if if that lands for you. But yeah, like your body will always, always slow you down. So if you push it too hard. So why not just go with your body and slow down when it wants to slow down so you don't have to go through this big crisis point, ideally. So my thinking on this has changed so much from those days when I would just be like falling on the floor trying to follow my training plan. I know when I was doing the Mount Rainier training plan, I met up with a friend I hadn't seen for a while. We were just like taking a walk in the neighborhood and she just looked at me and she kind of made a face and she's like, you look so exhausted. And I was like laughing. I'm like, I'm having trouble admitting that. But obviously, like people outside me can see that. So how has that changed? So I had an experience in the past two weeks. If you've been following my Instagram, I've been talking about it on the podcast. I had a family health emergency. I had to rush back to Ohio to help out a family member. I was there for two weeks you know, trying to live life and work and be support family and train and do all the things. And it was so exhausting. Like it was very emotional, like what was happening with my, my family member. And then I felt like so drained physically and mentally just all the time. And while I was there, I ran a 25K. I ran it kind of hard. And then I got a COVID shot the next day. So came back to Denver and I'm, I have another 25K race coming up in two weeks. And I'm like, oh, I can squeeze in one more week of hard training to get ready for this. And of course it didn't work. Just completely backfired on me. As soon as I started running hard, I actually started to get shingles, which for me is like a really big danger sign. I, I 
I get it every few years on my neck and it's usually pretty mild, thank God. But yeah, it's like my inner alarm bell that all is not well with my body and my stress level. It's always happening like when I'm overdoing it. So what have I done? I'm like, you know, I'm just going to take these two weeks and instead of trying to kill myself, I'm just going to enjoy life. I'm going to have fun with friends. I'm going to do things that really lift me up and light me up emotionally. I'm going to get tons of sleep. I'm going to go for walks. And if I feel like it, I might run a bit. I might hike a bit, but I'm just, I'm going to go back to the fun phase of training. I'm not even going to try to achieve anything. And then God willing, I'll I'll go to this race and run it like a training run. I'm not going to race it. And as soon as I did that, it just really lifted such a weight. And then I was also very proud of myself because, you know, I was finally trusting that if I'm tired, it means something. And then another thought that this forced me to think was that one week of training loss is such a drop in the bucket of what I do in a season. I think as athletes, we often don't celebrate like how amazing we are and how much time we put in and just like how few people in the world are willing to do that. And like taking this one week easy, it's very, I don't know what the word is. Like I have the word cheap in my notes (laughs) compared to the price of my long-term health, my long-term happiness. So taking time to slow down is often how we go faster, how we keep going. Huge life lesson from mountaineering and now ultra running. So another life lesson, number three, my body and I are in this together. Have you ever felt like really separate from your body? Like you're just like, ah, it's this thing that needs to be tamed and taught not to eat and taught to work out and whipped into shape shape. And if you are a mountaineer, you know that this can be like, even if you have kind of an average body, like a pretty nice body, like it can be very hard on your body image. And this is true for women. And I think it's also true for men. I've certainly talked to men who have experienced this as well. So I remember being in my high altitude mountaineering class and I'm a size eight. I am not like a huge person, guys. And I was the biggest woman there and just like always got a lot of kind of messages from everyone else there about my body and when was I going to start working out. When I was working my ass off, people would say this to me. And there's one incident I remember where someone was one of the guys in our group who was really skinny. He brought in his old pants because he was going to give them away maybe to one of the guys who was looking for some pants. And we were all joking around, all the girls. And we're like, let us try on your pants. You're so skinny. And so the other two girls who were like size zeros put them on and they kind of fit. And I'm like, I want to try. And I'm putting them on and someone else walks by and just makes a face. And they're like, you're never going to fit in those. And I'm like, that wasn't the point. But you know, thank you for your very, what do you call it when someone does shit like that? I can't imagine like saying that to another human, but definitely happened in mountaineering class. And I, all the evidence for me was that I was huge. Like when I went to the, like the doctor and they did my BMI, it was always like high, overweight, blah, blah, blah. And so I really struggled my whole mountaineering career, my whole running career with just wanting to weigh less, wanting to look a certain way. And I bought like hook, line and sinker into the lie that I would be a better athlete if I was thinner. And that's actually a podcast we're going to do because I think that's a lie that a lot of people believe. If I could just get thinner, I would be better, stronger, faster. It's all bullshit. But anyway, saving that for the podcast. 
So something really crazy happened to me lately. So after years of angst over this, I actually got a body composition scale. And this is one that's like been validated against like a DEXA test or an underwater displacement test, which is kind of the gold standards to check body fat. So probably if I want to be really sure, I should go in, get one of those done. But actually... This one, according to a lot of people who have done both, is pretty accurate. So I was terrified to get on it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be obese. Just like all the messages, like all the evidence I have just tells me I'm very overweight and very unhealthy. So I got on the scale and I had 19% body fat, which honestly is pretty low for a 45-year-old woman. And it was like just mind-blowing to realize that after all this angst, I'm like, wow, I'm actually pretty lean. I'm actually kind of right where an athlete would want to be. And it was so bizarre. I can't even tell you to suddenly in just an instant, like realize like what I'm eating is obviously fine. Like I should just keep eating this way. I should not be beating myself up for overeating. And it seems like I eat a lot, but I also burn a lot. Like I I was having trouble accepting that because I thought, you know, if I was eating correctly, I would look a certain way, which isn't true. So yeah, just like totally bought into that biggest lie ever told that caused me a lot of pain. And I really wish I could have skipped all that agony and just loved my body exactly as it was and just trusted myself that the things I was doing were what I needed to feel healthy, to feel energetic, that I was eating when I was hungry and trying to fuel myself and that the signals my body was giving me were working for me and exactly what I needed. So if you're there right now, just realize you and your body, they're in this together, like fighting against yourself, hating yourself, judging yourself constantly. It's so much wasted agony. Like you have have a body, your body can do amazing things. It doesn't have to look a certain way or be a certain way or match up to other people's expectations in order to do amazing things and take you amazing places. So that's number three. Let's go to number four. Failure goes hand in hand with greatness. And if you want to level up in life, which we're kind of doing with this mountaineering thing, I think, you're going to have to get comfortable with failure. This is also true if you want to level up in other areas of life, if you want to be better at work, better at relationships, better parents, like there's going to be some failure involved. And the more we can get comfortable with failure, like the more we're going to be willing to try and the more we're going to be willing to grow and the more we're going to be able to move towards that person, that full potential that we could And the more we're going to be able to just really embody that highest self that we were meant to be and already are in many ways. So from the mountaineering point of view, what does this look like? It probably looks like if you do a lot of mountaineering, it's going to look like you have a growing list of missed summits. So I call them my uncompleted peaks. I actually have them on my website, the ones I attempted and did not summit. So there's Iimani, there's Orizaba, there's Shuxin. There's a bunch of other ones on there too. There's also going to be bad training days. Like on the way to the summit, all kinds of tough things are going to happen where you're kind of letting yourself down and maybe not meeting your own expectations. And if you think about it, how true is this in life? How many 30, 40, and 50-year-olds do you know who have just kind of stopped dreaming? They've kind of given up because it's more comfortable to stay in this place where you don't have to 
put yourself in situations where you could fail. It's nice to just keep doing all the things you're good at and the things you're used to. And one thing that I think is so magical about this mountaineering thing is it kind of gets us back in the arena, maybe at a time in life when we're comfortable in other areas. And it really puts us in a position to just learn, to grow, not just as athletes, but as people. As I was describing before, like work out so many things in our mind, like get through so much of our own shit in order to be successful with this mountaineering thing. So if you're willing to put yourself there, even when it feels like shit, even when you just feel like you're falling on your face all the time, I have so much deep respect for you. And I think deep inside, I think that that's what all of us as humans want. At the end of our days, we don't want to regret the things that we didn't do, that we left undone, but it is pretty scary, right? But as you're probably finding out as a mountaineer, there are a lot of rewards. So there's a speech that was given by Teddy Roosevelt about the man in the arena and It's just so compelling. And I'm not going to read the whole thing now because it's a little bit long, but just thinking about it is making me cry. And it's about like, (laughs) can you hear me crying? Oh my God. (laughs) I am such a cheese ball, but it's about how it's so much better to get in there and fight and experience all the highs and the lows and the victories and the defeats than just be like one of those people that never even tries and they just go to the grave like never knowing like what they could have accomplished. So yeah, definitely check that out. I will pop that in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed (laughs) me being a cheese ball and crying. So let's go on to the last one, number five. And this one is getting to the top of the mountain will not make you happy. I know you really want to believe that it is going to just complete your life and make everything amazing. And I totally used to believe this and hope for this too. And we also do this in life, right? Like we're like, when X happens, I will finally be happy. When I get married, when I have a baby, when I make a million dollars, like I'll finally be happy and that'll be amazing. And then when we finally get the thing, we realize that the happiness, it's fleeting, even if it happens at all. A lot of times we're really excited to get to the top of the mountain. And then the next day we're back to being ourselves, stuck with ourselves and all the shit we had before we were on top of the mountain. We're still the same person, right? And sometimes we actually get sad after we do the thing. And I think what this teaches us is that the happiness has to come from inside us. So here's a good way to think of this. Think about right now, if you're not driving, you can close your eyes and just really go there. Imagine yourself like you uh, have just summited the mountain. You're coming back into base camp. It's like you're finally back. You're safe. You've done the thing. Like, how's that going to feel? You're going to be pretty happy, right? You're going to be pretty excited. Just think about this thing is already done and just notice how you feel. Really just imagine like the sensations in your body, like putting down the pack, like what are people going to say to you when they see that you've come back and that you were successful and just really take a moment to create that feeling inside of yourself. 
And once you've done that, like ask yourself, like, why am I waiting to feel this? See how you just made it with your brain? <laughs> why not live that moment and just be happy right now? You, you like don't even have to climb the mountain to like make that feeling like you did it. You can live your whole life from the place of having climbed the mountain, even if you never get to the top, even if you never like get to the mountain, like your plane breaks down or something and you never get off the runway. So getting in the habit of creating feelings for yourself. Another thing we realize is that the journey is often happier than the real thing. This whole process of growth, of overcoming obstacles, it doesn't like always feel amazing in the moment, but that really is the good stuff. And sometimes we don't realize it until the end. And for some of us, the journey is the only time in our lives where we're really going to give ourselves permission to focus on ourselves, to focus on our dreams. And I think this is particularly for parents and especially for women. We get a lot of messages in our socialization growing up that we're supposed to put children and partner and other people first. And it's the time when we can really give ourselves permission to just really focus on ourselves and our own growth. So when you're in that journey, going through the ups and downs, just remember that this is the good stuff. Don't wish it away. Don't be like, oh, I wish we could like get to the mountain, the good part already. This is the good part. There is so so much happiness and excitement and joy and abundance to be found right here right here. It's so true. So friends, that's my my life lessons from mountaineering once again. Thank you so much for taking this podcasting journey for me. This has been like climbing a mountain in itself to bring it this far and to make an episode every week. And I just appreciate each of you so much. Like every time you reach out, say like, hey, I listened to the show or this episode inspired me or I'm working on this right now. Will you do an episode? It just lights me up. It is the good stuff life is made of. So Thank you for that. Keep it coming and looking forward to another 50 episodes with you. See you here next week for 51. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.